0: Hello, welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Glad you're here. Hi, everyone. It's Lindsay and Krista. Welcome to the show. Hope all is well. Hope all oh, is well. I thought you said there's a ball in the well. There's
1: a big ball in the well. No, what I did say <laughs> during our interview with Dave Asprey <laughs> is that it looked like he was in Santa's workshop.
0: I was like, dude, I was like, hey, you just talked about something dude, very serious.
1: And then
2: you're like, there's Santa's workshop behind <laughs> Dude,
0: <you>. I'm literally <laughs> so special.
1: We're in the interview with Dave Asprey, who's like $200 million air. And it's not air, self-made. Self-made. <laughs> oh yeah, two, but I meant millionaire. Oh, like, oh, air. Yeah, yeah. And he's so smart using all these like big words and all this stuff. And it looks like he's in Santa's workshop. And it's I amazing. was just like, he said something crazy. He's like, yeah. And then the T3... Da, 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 And I'm like, you know it looks like you're in Santa's <laughs> workshop right now? Cause he had his like his biohacking like tools behind him. He's he like, was like, wow. He's like, this is where I make my coffee. And he's like, like, it could be. Great. And I was like, that's your next video. <laughs> you're Santa in the workshop. He's like, okay, what am I doing here? <laughs> I, was, I, I was meaning to say to him <sighs> afterward, I'm like, dude, I wanted to tell him that we call him silky face. Silky face Dave. because He, he has, would love that. Because he has so much fat and
0: collagen in his diet. His skin is like butter. Butter. Well, he would love that. I feel like he, you know what I love about Dave Asprey is the the confidence Dude. that he has around his health, mm. like it's like totally. all the things he does, he better fucking be confident around his Yes. Health. But he's like, so when I live to be 180 or plus, and he says that with a straight face, mm-hmm. like he is living to be 180 or plus. Would you want to live that long? <laughs> no, I was, no. I was reading uh one of my fucking 18 books I'm reading right now. It was just like some channeling from like deep space mm-hmm. and they like live to be over 100, 400 years old. People? In human years. Like beings. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I was thinking about that. I was like, that's a long time. Yes. That's a long time to be. But what is time? What is time?
1: But time isn't real. <laughs> time isn't real. Uh, Guys, this is such a good one. I'm really excited. Oh, uh, a recommendation by our dearest, Pita Kelly, um, Meet Your Soul. And it's really, you know, you've read it and I'm just getting into it since we had our interview with her and a little bit before. And it is like, it is like the Bible of yeah. soul knowledge and information. And I understand where a lot of people that I resonate with, maybe they get their information from her or their feelings on things from her. But what she says is truly so resonant with me. It is like powerful.
0: Um, Elisa Romeo is a therapist and intuitive. And yeah, she's... and, And I felt it even more in the interview where she's just... She's like no bullshit Mm -hmm. when it comes to her spirituality. I think sometimes like in this world, there can be like a lot of like either flowery language Mm -hmm. or just kind of like the rituals on top of the rituals on top of the rituals. And I just, when I read Meet Your Soul, it just spoke so directly to me as a human and my divinity, and it was very clear. So this is a really powerful guide to connect you with your most sacred self. This is where I learned how to journal, soul journal, um, which we talk a lot about uh, in this conversation.
1: Yeah, and I really love, I think this too helped me to understand the hierarchy for me and my mind of spirituality. And I'm always like very... I like things to have like a process and a structure. Mm. And so for me to really see and understand that like my soul is the number one guiding factor and should be the number one thing that I go to and listen to. And once I have that deep understanding and knowance of my soul, which essentially is a, you know, a part of God. So it's like a raindrop in the ocean that is God. Mm -hmm. So it is connected to God. So it's not like I'm like bypassing God, but my soul is my unique expression of God. And that is really the person that I am on an infinite level. And then this is the experience that that soul is having. So that is like my number one priority. And I just feel like that is one thing for so many people that I think people are bypassing and, It's like when we go talk to guides or we talk to aliens or we talk to our dead grandma, it's like that is all good and that is fun if done with the right intention. But that's when stuff can get really funky and wobbly. So having the deep understanding of our soul allows us to go into these other dimensions and realms and you know spaces and times because we have that deep anchored self and knowance and guidance and protection of like, our sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And it's just so important for us to connect with that soul. Our soul is like everything, it's the infinite. Yes.
0: And we talk a lot about ego in relation to the soul, mm-hmm. which was really interesting and just kind of like healthy parts of the ego, but then also how to make that distinction between the ego and the soul yes. in each in each moment. And then we had a special guest. Oh my God. Yeah. And just really quick, another yeah. part in the book that I was really vibing with. And I actually,
1: this is, you know, I, a lot of times I bring up topics that I'm not sure how, exactly how I feel about, but I'm kind of just percolating with it. But I think it's interesting as most things that come across my way, I just find them interesting first. So she was talking about channeling and she said that when people channel Mm -hmm. that in her experience of being in this space for a really long time and studying it, most light beings don't want to be channeled or inhabit your body because they understand your sovereignty and they understand that you are a sovereign being and that when we offer up our body to be channeled through, it's really like saying that they know more than our soul knows. And it's again like bypassing our own knowance and our own soul. And I thought that was fascinating. Cause I've I followed like Abraham Hicks and just really Bashar, like beautiful channels. And I think that's so powerful. But I thought that was an
0: interesting concept. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea and thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just protecting yourself too, Yes, which was really interesting. So it's, if you are interested in channeling or even just like opening yourself up, whether it's in meditation or activating, like we all are psychic, but just kind of like fine tuning those abilities, protecting yourself, just Mm -hmm. not necessarily, if if you are feeling an entity or an energy, like making sure that you have protection because- what did she say? She she was speaking about kind of like how the 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 darker entities can be shrouded in the light. Mm, yes.
1: Or, I, well, I also think it's like once you know your soul and you have that relationship, you don't really even need to protect yourself yeah. because you're living in such integrity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And your soul is the protection because it is the discernment, right. really. Mm-hmm. So it's like your soul will, will always guide you in the best possible direction and away from whatever... It could be, but yeah, we talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about um, false light. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. We talked a lot about how to meet your soul, her experience of meeting your soul. We talked about false light, which is super fascinating right now. And then like you said, her wonderful partner was on, which was so fun. Yeah, I had
0: I had a, like a, a thought in the morning yes. before we interviewed her. I was like, oh man, we should have invited Adam on as well. Like, I don't know. I just was listening to them on a podcast. I was like, oh man, they're so powerful and they have some things coming up that are exciting and they're helping a lot of people with their platform, Holy Love. And he popped on. It was so So sweet. He
1: was so sweet. So we talked about the masculine and the feminine. They are twin flames. So we talked about twin flame partnership, what a twin flame partnership looks like, what it feels like, how to know that you're in one and really a lot about how to get the masculine to step into spirituality or to be on the
0: spiritual journey with you. Yeah, I loved that conversation because he was just so-
1: He's so sweet. Oh my God. It was so cute when what he was like talking he about He's like, this is, I really resonated with because I know Justin feels this way. He's like, you know, there's other, there's some lanes of thought where they talk about masculinity. They talk about this certain type of masculine That's like, be more masculine. Like, <laughs> like hold spate. You know, like kind of like that aggressive, like aggressor type of masculine. And he's like, that does not make me want to be masculine. Yeah. You know, it's like you make like, the yelling and like the growling and like, oh. Yes.
0: It's like when you went to
2: uh, yes. uh, that
0: workshop
1: and they yes. made Justin growl. They made Justin growl at me. I was, I. He's like, he honestly did it the whole thing and I didn't do anything. I was like a dead person. Didn't you like laugh the whole time? I laughed the whole time. I was, it was, it's honestly, we came to the workshop. I was like, Justin, we need to go. He goes and crushes the workshop and I'm <laughs> deadly. I was so
0: uncomfortable. You're like, I'm out. <laughs> I was, I was, I just couldn't growl and meow around people. It's, it's a lot. It, I think to like put yourself out there like that in front of people doing that type of work. It's like. <sighs> because I don't like false
1: seriousness. Mm-hmm. I just like, it's like, why are we trying to be serious? I don't like to try and be, cause it's like, we're not serious. We're not, you know, being serious is one thing, but we're <laughs> growling. So it's not serious. Because you're not, if you're trying to be masculine. people is serious. Yeah, who knows? It probably is, might might be. Um, But this is such a good episode. I really loved it. I'm really excited for you guys to listen.
0: Me too. You can find out more about Elisa and uh, her upcoming offerings with her husband. They're doing a lot of work together. They actually have a book coming out. We're going to have them back on for the new book um, at elisaremeo.com. That's E-L-I-S-A. So excited to have an episode like this kick off the new year. We hope you guys are doing well. We're here to support you. If you're interested, we would love to have you at Camp Almost 30 happening on January 16th. This is a virtual event, a gathering that we've been dying to have with you Mm -hmm. all. Like After 2020, just wanting to connect with you in this way, bringing together our favorite teachers, healers, experts. Yeah, for just a really beautiful day to learn, get inspired, laugh, and connect. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. It's all free.
1: And some of our favorite healers and teachers, Sahara Rose, Kiki Robinson, we have Ash Johns. We have- (laughs) Peta Kelly. We have- Jen Esker. Jenna Zoe.
0: I mean, come on, y'all.
1: Come on, that's only the beginning. There's way more on the site. And again, it's free. Our intention really is to just bring us into the
0: portal of 2021 in the best way we can. And it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to hang out with you guys. Yeah, cannot wait. Thank you guys so much for listening. Share this with a friend if it resonates or a family member. And make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are also on YouTube. So we have all of our interviews uh, up on YouTube for you to view. We've seen you watch it on your TV, which is weird. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Seeing my face on your big screen. (laughs) Um, But thank you. We really appreciate you. And we'll see you on the other side. Enjoy. We'll see you.
2: Yeah. So when you start to recall your dreams, then you create a relationship with your psyche, your subconscious. And it starts to really become internally real. And it changes our physical world reality. It amplifies our relationships. It brings more depth and meaning. Our daily living. And I think that's what we're all really seeking right now is mm-hmm. just, I think most disease and psychological issues are from a disconnection with our soul, uh, a separation, or somewhere where I've been told you can't have access to this. It's impossible to have access to this. You can only have access to this through an authority that is someone, usually a man who's older, <laughs> in a robe on a platform reading from a book, that's an authority. And so what does that look like when we really just ask what's true for my heart? What feels really true and trusting that divine spark that's been placed inside of us and then coming from that place of trust that we are on purpose and that we were created for a reason and that maybe we can actually dig through our dramas and traumas and Projections and programs, and trust that there's something deeper there to relax into.
0: Mm. When did you discover your soul?
2: Yeah, I think like the onion, it's almost like different levels too. I don't mm. know if you guys have had this experience too in meditation, where you're like, "Oh, now I'm there, now I'm there," and then it's like, "Oh no, now I'm there, now I'm there," and it, it it's this ongoing deepening that happens. So I think one of the first memories I have. That there's more than a physical reality. I always tell people, it's like, my dad was a biochemist, my mom's a mathematician. And that really shaped my upbringing. And I was raised in a Unitarian household, which is a very kind of like analytical religion that is like, we encourage people critical thought, which I think was great. And I think I avoided some religious trauma with that because I speak with many different types of people. I think religion can be a pathway in and sometimes it can be a block depending on the person and the situation. But so I speak with a lot of people that are kind of undoing programming to find their, their true experience with their soul. But for me, it was almost like there was nothing said about it except so there was, so in some ways that was great because there was a lot of freedom to have my own experience, but also then there was no kind of community or support when I started having mystical experiences, it was very much like, that's weird. And and we don't know what that is. So my first thought about experience was when I was about six years old at my Montessori school outside of Chicago in Illinois and the Midwest. And we did a little meditation where they had us laying on mats and mm-hmm. they're like, hey, we're going to relax. and um, And they played classical music. And I just like floated up out of my body as consciousness. And I could see all the kids laying on their mats. And I went through the roof of the Montessori and I flew around with the birds in the sky. It was like a remote traveling experience. And then I came back down into my body and then I started to go lower and lower down to the lower world, as they call it in shamanic terms. And it was so exciting and exhilarating. And just, I think when you're six, it's that what's imagination, what's reality, you're Already having. It's, I think, complicated, right? What's an imaginary friend and what's really maybe an entity or Mm -hmm. what's, you know, all these things. So it was, so then we sat in a circle and they're like, what was that like for you? And when I said my experience, everybody just looked like, what, you know? And I remember (laughs) the teachers kind of move it along, you know, like nice imagination. That's, that's an interesting story. And even as a kid, you can tell when that's like.
1: Mm, The judgment. Mm Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, and then I talk about my first book, Authentic Intuition. I was 17 when I shaved my knee and I got a wart on my knee and the wart spread. So I had like many warts on my left knee and I kept going to the doctor and they would burn them with a, whatever that stuff is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, they burned it over and over and over and over, but they kept coming back. And then I had third degree burns from that. And I just felt like a leper. And I was going to college, heading off. So I remember I wouldn't wear skirts or shorts. And, and out of desperation, I went to this woman who does hands-on healing because <laughs> like nothing else, the doctor's like, we can't do anything else for you here. And I had a instantaneous soul retrieval. I went to the lower worlds. I mm-hmm. met my power animal who told me all these things about what each wart was held in my body.
0: Wow. In terms of these
2: little traumas, these little memories that I didn't consciously think about. One was like a boyfriend in seventh grade was like, your legs are hairy. (laughs) You know, these teeny little things that at the time you're just like, Oh, whatever. But my body really interpreted as like, you're not okay. You're not lovable. So my power animal was talking me through how we, everything we experience we hold in our body somewhere Mm -hmm. And until you consciously release it, even if you're not thinking about it, it's there somewhere. So I was crying on the table and having all these releases. And I thought it was like 20 minutes. And I remember her waking me up like, I have to go catch the ferry. We live on this little island outside Seattle. And and it was six hours that I was on the table and I had no sense of time. And, um, she's like, this is not, a- I'm not getting, I owe her a lot. But, I mean, I owe her everything actually, because wow. she really, I was so scared at that time in my life. And it was really physical world exists. Anything mm-hmm. else is crazy or mental illness. And, and she introduced me like, you can explore this place. Like you can trust actually in the beginning, I remember my eyes started fluttering like R.E.M but I was awake and I was seeing flashing lights before I started seeing the other visions, which is kind of a classic going into trance sign. And I remember going, I don't know, I won't, I'll try not to swear, but but, you know, swearing (laughs) about it. And, um, and her saying like, no, this is you, this is you, you can trust this. And Mm -hmm. that made all the difference. I think if I went or not, because there was so much fear and like, what is happening? And, and feeling like I'm on drugs, but I didn't take anything, Yeah, you know, like it was that visual. And um, and then seeing, it was like dreaming while you're awake and then seeing the images flashing and then moving through a tunnel into, I mean, it was just a very classic soul retrieval. So later when I went to Pacifica Graduate Institute to study depth psychology, I ended up studying with Stan Groff, who's known as the head of the transpersonal psychology movement. So mm-hmm. he does, he used to do LSD, give you know, mm-hmm. give LSD in the 60s and 70s at Harvard to give people trips to kind of meet that unconscious material when it was used medically in very small doses. So he was doing like three people a day, guiding them through their psyche in the lower worlds and facing trauma and unconscious material. And then when it became illegal, moving into holotropic breath work. So using breath to get to those altered states and... Some of us are just kind of more primed to go there quicker. I think I'm one of those people where I'm a real mystic at heart. I'm just kind of always one breath away from a real other veil experience. Mm -hmm. For some people, it might take ayahuasca or deep meditation, TM, you know, like, or competitive running, right? There's all kinds of things that can change our brain state to get us into more of a flow place, but going from beta to theta. And so I think it's one of those things that I love the quote from Einstein that's like, you can't solve a problem on the energy level in which it's been created. Mm -hmm. And I just think about that all the time. Most of us are humans rolling around Mm -hmm. in beta state. Like, why did my boyfriend do that? I don't know. And like, why is this pattern happening in my life? And why do I never feel acceptable? And they're trying to solve Mm -hmm. that question from the energy level, the brain state of beta. And it's like that insanity quote, like, If you don't do anything different, nothing's changing. You really have to learn how to, and that's what Meet Your Soul, my book is. And that's what all my work is. And that's what the soul is, is using the ego. It's almost like how deep do we take it, right? Because on one hand, it's like your soul is, if I was going to put it in one quote, it's the all loving, all knowing part of yourself, which to me is, to me, God or the love behind the universe is the ocean and the soul is the raindrop. So it's the same energy of that unconditional love. It has access to everything, every interconnected piece, every psychic piece of information you ever want to know the Akashic records. Like I call it like the energetic Google where you just type in a question, you just get an answer, Mm -hmm. but it does take skill, practice discipline to be able to clearly assess what's my ego. What's is this something I want to hear? Or is this true psychic information coming in? And so that's what most of the work is. I do sessions with my husband. We do sessions with people do retreats. And it's, it's the nuance of that. Mm-hmm. Because in some ways, it's like the most natural, simple, easy thing you'll ever do. Because it is you. But it requires a lot of being honest. Mm. Like ruthlessly yes. honest with where your ego is, where your shadow is. And I think that that's everything Carl Jung, the psychic. Go analyst who I'm obsessed with. He's he the best. has a quote that's like, no one would need analysis if everybody was just like ruthlessly honest mm-hmm. with themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really hard to do. So for like 24 years now daily, I've been talking with my soul Sophia in my journal. Mm. And I teach this practice of soul journaling, which like thousands of people do. And I love hearing stories about it because it's like-
1: I love that. It's mm-hmm. Sophia, like the goddess Sophia of like the Gnostic.
2: Exactly. Love yeah. That. And it, it's interesting when she first presented to me, when I was like, who are you? I think mm-hmm. in the beginning I had like a lot of dramatic, like, what are you? Can I trust? I mean, that <laughs> went on for years, As really. It does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what really helped me was one documenting in a journal, because then when you look back three years later and you see like, she said the most clear, mm, yeah. obvious messaging that like my therapist at the time or my friends at the time were trying to say, but she said it in such a perfectly direct way for my ego because she understands more than anyone else who I am, what I've been through, how I need to hear it, where I'm going to get my hackles up if it's said in the wrong way, whatever. And so it's your soul, I think, is that inner perfect therapist, guru, yes. mother mm-hmm. that can heal every issue in our lives. And so for me... Soul journaling is just about like, are you asking good questions? And what are the good questions or like whatever questions on your heart? Because I think sometimes people stop with their soul journaling, like they'll ask a little, Mm -hmm. but I always feel like there's like endless Mm -hmm. areas to explore of like, where's my limitation around this in relationship? Why did this make me scared? Like, why is this pattern happening at my job? Like there's, and then going into real nuance of like, what does that look like today? How, what does that look like for self-care plan for the next one hour? Yep. And yeah. I think making it super, super practical and grounded and relatable because as humans, we just have questions every day. We have issues every day. And I think the setup is that we are separated mm-hmm. to some degree by the fact that we're incarnated in these bodies. And the goal is to align it and bring it in, but there is a difference between our ego understanding and our soul understanding some people say why would I have another name for my soul she's me and it's like yeah but unless you are mm-hmm. your sainted yes. self mm-hmm. unless seven. you are your highest avatar in every moment your Christ energy as a title right this is Sophia unless you are that then there's work to do yeah in yes. every moment and I'm not done and I think a lot of people think they're done that aren't done and I think as long as we're here we're not done mm. like yeah that's one reason we're here
0: yeah, I started soul journaling after I read the book and what surprised me most was the like directness. Like I don't know what I expected, but there was like this directness in what she was saying and and kind of levity too, where it was like it was direct and also like comforting me. It was like you you know this, like there was this feeling of just bringing me closer to that knowing and I can imagine that people don't necessarily attune to that naturally, meaning they're skeptical. They are kind of afraid of like this untouchable thing that might be coming through because it shakes up the reality. They're like, what is this? This is not what I'm used to. Yeah. I
1: always feel like when I know it's the ego, when it's like placating to me, you know what I mean? It's like my ego placates. It's like oh, well you could do that, but you know, there is this and there is that it's like the ego really keeps me safe. And the soul mm-hmm. is like kind of
2: ready to rock. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, so one, one of the biggest spiritual experiences that happened to me was when I was at the end of my master's program, I had an out of experience like at school <laughs> on the campus <laughs> at lunch. And, um, it started like after a long i actually had just left groff and rick Tarnas' class which are two powerhouses so i think the energy of that class was pumping and i left and i got on the ground and my head started doing this motion this figure eight motion and a friend of mine who's like a great energy worker was like you're going into trance right now do you want to like go back into room and like go into that and um and i was like sure and really trusted him and then went and in the room, I just had an out-of-body experience immediately, felt this love cloud above me that was like just calling to me and felt like everything i had always been seeking on a feeling level. And as I joined into that energy, it was like, bam, like a remembering of who I was before mm-hmm. I was Lisa Romeo, why I came to the planet, what soul contracts and lessons I was working on. And then understand, and my soul being like, you don't know me. Like you're at a school talking about soul, you're reading Carl Jung all about soul, but like you're not listening to me. (laughs) You're making it harder for yourself to not open because you don't know where, you're not locating it like the North Star. And also part of you is, like you said, skeptical, scared, doesn't know how to receive or interpret that information. And it was just like, why would I be scared of this when I'm there? Because this is just all it yeah and then I had a life review of like here's so far how you're doing wow and a feeling of like experience almost yeah they had that
1: where it's like God reviews your life and you're like okay what
2: and it's like a movie yes. that's like in an instant but it's also on a feeling level and it's also from everyone else's perspective that yes. you've had every interaction with. So it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like beyond something It happens in ayahuasca
1: too, sometimes too, where you get other people's perspective where you're like, damn, I never knew that I hurt that person or or whatever.
2: And this is how they were feeling and that. Yeah. And so it was really like, oh, you know, it was, it was, it's kind of brutal in some ways in a loving way of like, oh, we're showing you the rules to the game. So you can kind of go back and go at it from a different place. And I didn't want to come back. You hear this a lot from people with NDEs, near-death experiences, because it's like so loving and beautiful. You're like, I got to go back down into... And you can feel Elisa Romeo on a good day is still really dumb compared to Sophia. Mm. Even when Elisa's trying really hard to stay connected and to run the energy, there just is a difference in being in the 3D. There's just a difference in terms of the makeup. It's supposed to be. It's almost like, some client asked me last week, like, what's the point? Because it's really hard sometimes to be have that separation, but it's almost like you can't play the game if you know it's a game. Mm-hmm. You You have to have the amnesia pill to some degree to be a participant as a human in a certain level. And to be aware of it is really helpful, but also to always know there's a blind spot, I think is kind of like the best we can do. Even with, and I've sat with major <laughs> gurus and teachers where it's like, They're transmitting God energy, right? Like that's what they're doing as a placeholder on the planet. And there's still a reality to being in a human body. And sometimes we see the shadow of that with like gurus and energies that can do great healings, but have huge shadow around sexual stuff. Or, you know, we hear it all the time in the yoga community or whatever, where there's that narcissistic inflation that happens in the ego that starts to kind of perpetrate. Mm -hmm. Because, because there isn't a humility of the difference between ego and soul. So -hmm. I think it's really important to kind of not, that's why I'm not necessarily like in a turban, like (laughs) just channeling information and staying up there all the time, because I feel like there's persona in that, that isn't always true you know on just the limitations it's almost like there's gravity here there's just a reality to this dimension I was just
1: yeah that was a download I was getting I got last week that I wrote about was like people seek to connect with ETs angels light beings um, ancestors whatever but you can't work in that realm unless you've worked with your ego first and you have discernment between what those are because the devil is tricky and that's a great opportunity for like a nefarious energy to sort of take you on a path that you don't want to go on. And I think it's avoidance of the lessons in the 3d when we're just skipping over to different areas and trying to like outsource whatever information is. So whenever you talk about that, that's one thing I really love about your work is like your ability to talk about the soul and the ego difference.
2: I think my background as a therapist is like I work with people with spiritual emergency and kundalini symptoms that they can't contain. I talk to psychics mm-hmm. come to me that are taken over by entities that say they're their soul and um because wow. they've given their power away because they haven't done that inner work. And it's like I'm cleanup crew. That's like what I do. So I'm a huge proponent in the book and everything of like set the intention to know your true self. Yes. And then it's all it's all that. Um, then you don't have to be scared. Nothing can take you over if your intention is you. I see it like there's like an inner remote control, like mm-hmm. what station you're on. Mm-hmm. And if you have station I'm tired of myself and my life. Just give me Archangel Michael where I can start channeling information for everyone to feel good about myself. Like that's what happens. Mm -hmm. And, but if you have your station, like I understand the point of incarnation is to become a love warrior, a spiritual warrior on such a true level of seeing Mm -hmm. love in everything as everything with that literally penetrating your eyes and like coming through like in that way then we 're so protected there 's no protection there's nothing that there's no demon that can overturn that because mm-hmm. then we 're truly in the energy of love. but I just think there's so much um, I love the place where psychology and spirituality meet or don't meet that 's what i 'm obsessed with because I think there's a lot of therapists that don 't understand false light entities in the fourth dimension, mm-hmm. energy cords like and then I think there's a ton of spiritual people that don't understand inflation and deflation and narcissism Um, and you know, so I think we can't do both either well, unless we're doing both together. That's just my biased opinion.
1: Can you talk a little bit more? This is something I've been actually really interested in lately is like false light. And I think that's, this year has been incredible in the way of like false light. So um, can you explain a little bit more about that?
2: False light to me is basically like spiritual bypassing on the astral realm, right? Where you know when you're sitting with me. To me, the test, the litmus test is, do I trust this person? If I just lost my child or someone really close to me and I was in the depths of despair, do I trust this person in their body to be a healer, to hold space, to talk to me in this place? If that person's going to say, it's all meant to be and you just need to get over it. And it I don't trust that. I think that's pretty shitty. And there's a lot of people who identify as healers who go into that spiritual persona, which allows room for false light Mm -hmm. because it's not love, it's avoidance. And my first book, Authentic Intuition, was really like, what's the difference between projection and intuition? That's kind of what meet your soul was also an expansion of because when you're in a projection, you think something's really real. You're like, I know this is true. I know it. I know that's a bad person. I, you know, or whatever. I know God hates gay people. Right. It's like the, the, the feeling of somebody in a neurosis like that who thinks they've heard from God and thinks that's what God is, which is hate and separation. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you're in an intuition, you also like, I know this, I've never known anything. You say the same stuff. So what is the difference between when someone's in an illusion, a false light, it could be on the fourth dimension of false light illusion or a 3D illusion, which is just like a psychological projection versus like a download or a true soul experience. And energetically, they look very different. And one difference is True love has no interest in control or manipulation. I have no interest in people thinking I'm a guru. Like it's boring to me. When people start to do that, I actually like really shut it down Mm -hmm. because I know what that feels like. I know what projection is. I know it's a lie. I know it's pointless. It's a waste of everyone's energy. It blocks them from themselves. Some people seek that. Some people get hits off just kind of running because they can't feel their own soul or their own grounding course. Mm -hmm. They're just little vacuum cleaners for energy hits of sustaining their energy through some kind of narcissistic. Yeah. And I think on the fourth dimension, it looks like, and I've had experiences myself. It's like, that's why I would never trust a shaman who's like, there's no such thing as the dark because it's like, no, if, if you don't understand where and how that is, to me, love is like, ultimately, yeah, it's not true. Right. Like ultimately only love is real, but there's also dimensions. Mm-hmm. In the 3D in this dimension, evil's real here. It's like you just have to look at my backgrounds working with incest survivors, uh, gang members, you know, mm-hmm. like in addiction centers, like we have a lot of abuse and trauma on this planet that comes from evil. Does that mean that ultimately that's the most true? No, but to deny that, I think does a real disservice to anyone who's doing true healing and to victims, right? Mm-hmm. So we know what spiritual bypassing is on the 3D when someone's like basically like see no evil, see no evil, you know, in their lives and others. And it's the same on the fourth dimension, which is kind of where astral travel, remote viewing is where there's more of like, it's all good in that dimension too. And I speak with the other side in sessions. I'm a medium as well. So it's like a lot of it has to do with, you definitely don't want to set an intention of fear, you know, because fear attracts fear. So it's, never go out seeking into another dimension if you're kind of paranoid because that's not going to go well. But at the same time, it's kind of like knowing what neighborhoods you can walk in on the street, right? It's like, I used to live in the mission in San Francisco. I get off work at three in the morning because I worked on a suicide line and I would walk down the middle street because there was just like real mm-hmm. stuff happening that could attack me on the streets. So you have to know what it, your street sense, your street smarts. And mm-hmm. I think that's true spiritually as well. Ultimately, it's like, don't let fear control you. I. It's funny because I think we've gone in so deep quick. Usually I don't start with like, what is the soul? Let's go to false light. You know what I mean? <laughs> because there's a lot that usually comes from that point to that point. But I also love just staying with what's happening in Alive and Real. And my guess is there's a lot of listeners that are ready to handle this conversation. But for anybody who might be listening, who's like terrified right now, just know that as long as you connect to your soul and just keep it basic and easy, you never have to go into psychic realms if you don't want to. You never have to, you can just make your life better by just making your intuition a little louder, giving your intuition the microphone in a way that's really like a planned thing. Like, okay, for 10 minutes a day, I'm just going to amplify that part of myself because God knows we have the other parts of ourselves in our ear where that say we're not enough all day long. So I just want to balance those voices out a little bit for people.
0: And I feel like 2020... I know that was like a whole... No, I love <laughs> no, I I it. I love it. I, I sometimes I forget because so I
1: live deep. So sometimes when I, we're deep and someone's like, yeah, this is so deep, I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I'm always
0: so like on the level of depth. But. <laughs> when you said just setting that intention... I or, hear
2: <laughs> <laughs> Setting
0: that intention, I was thinking about just our day-to-day in 2020. And you know i definitely haven't set an intention every single day but how important that is for the macro as well i feel like we're going into every day kind of bracing ourselves and you know kind of fearing what is coming next or what we should do um and i'm just wondering like how fear plays into our relationship with our soul is it always a an indication of something that we should look at or is it just a simple block can you speak on that a little bit in the lens of like 2020
2: yeah that's an interesting question because i think there's different kinds of fear it's like in my chapter in me Your Soul when i talk about emoting versus feeling i think most therapists start to realize there's different qualities to different types of crying
3: Mm -hmm. And sometimes
2: crying comes in all of us. I mean, I've done it like from a histrionic victim place. We're just like, I can't get it. I don't know where we're giving our power away. And sometimes crying comes from, a, oh God, I get it. Something Mm -hmm. new. And now I'm having a transformation, a release experience. So I think 2020 has summoned both of that for all of us, you know, like really walking that tightrope of like, I mean, it's funny you said the intention for the day. I do an intention before I like meditate or talk to my soul, but I don't really, I wouldn't probably personally wake up like, what's my intention for the day? Because what I would probably do is like, Sophia, what's going on with me today? What do I need to know? And then based on what she says, then I might create like some kind of an intention in the sense of like, how can I stay true or on track to what you told me? Just because. In terms of efficiency, I've just learned it just saves time to go straight to her because my ego can have its own intentions that might be completely off track, Mm -hmm. even though they sound really spiritual or smart um, (laughs) from what she's doing. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you, um, or guess why go to your soul versus going to God? I've gone through phases of learning about all of these things. So learning about Uh, my spirit guides, learning about angels, learning about all these things. And then really this year, it's like learning more about the importance of God being the one person that you should go to. So what is your preference? Or like, why do we go to our soul first before we go to God?
2: I think the soul, it's like when you ground a house with wire, you know, you've got the grounding part to plug something in so it doesn't explode. (laughs) I feel like the soul is completely made for you in the sense of when I go to God and I do go to God, it it just has more of an expansive vibe to it of an all inclusive for everyone. And, and then, so the information sounds different and feels different and, and sometimes isn't as helpful in terms of the soul is God. It's that same energy, but it's individuated in the sense of, more attached. Like I like to say attached. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people see attachment as only negative, especially if they have more of an Eastern idea or a spirit based practice of the goal is enlightenment of becoming all is one Ram Dass, Eckhart Tolle, like all those are useful, but they're also very, spirit-based, which is historically masculine, the the masculine face of God, right? Sophia is known as the more feminine face of God, which is not about enlightenment, it's about enlivenment. Mm. And I think one imbalance we have on our planet right now is we've had an imbalance to more of the traditionally hyper-masculine spiritualities instead of honoring the divine feminine. And that's why we don't value our trees and our water and our parents and our daycares, because there's kind of this up more, bigger, better, <laughs> faster without necessarily the attachment piece. I, I once had a mother that really like clarified this for me where she was like a real identified as spiritual. She was always doing like Buddhist meditations and her child died, like
3: mm-hmm. at one mm-hmm. years
2: old. And she asked me, Was she being not spiritual enough because she was grieving her child? And I was just like, because she was grieving her child. Was she being, was she not spiritual enough because she was still grieving her child? Mm -hmm. Right. And I just thought I was so appalled at that, not in her, but in where that came from. Where did that programming come from Mm -hmm. in her? That it's bad to be attached on a physical level and she's doing something wrong spiritually if she's not feeling absolute peace and bliss every day. And I think the soul journey is about eventually getting to eternal love and bliss and peace, but it's in a really different way of through our connections, through our attachments, that love is about like our most true self and the divine feminine is coming into our heart of what is most emotionally true and being absolutely vulnerable in that. And absolutely like the honesty of that. And so to me, that's like the goddess or the feminine face of God. So it's it's also like when people say God, sometimes they go to the masculine of that. So I would kind of argue soul is the feminine face of God. Love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. It is God, but it's kind of through a different, it's the yin-yang of it. Yes, Yes, I love that.
0: And we've been talking recently just about like our upbringings in the Catholic church in particular from our experience, but you know how we were just kind of encouraged to look outside of ourselves Mm -hmm. for those answers and just how like, and you say it in the book, just how extremely low your spiritual self-esteem becomes. So I know a lot of people out there grew up Mm -hmm. in, you know, a particular religion or church and Again, not good or bad, but it's just kind of thinking or having more awareness around like where we were not necessarily looking inside of ourselves or just depending on that figurehead and and what you were just saying, the masculine. So I would love to just kind of support people in that and how like they can begin to almost like marry the two. Because I I, I definitely don't want to say like religion is bad, but I just kind of want yeah. to To talk about that.
2: Yeah, and I think it's like anything that's alive, right? The minute we start controlling something, it loses its life force and its evolution. And I think the problem sometimes with religion is people get a lot of the like, here's the rules now, stay within that box. But if religion can be a part of an alive, growing, expansive, Mm -hmm. moving, living thing, then it becomes more honest and just powerful, you know? I, I see it sometimes, like, we've been talking about, we have a podcast, my husband and I as well, and um, it's called, called Holy and Human. Had to think about that for a second. <laughs> and um, we've been talking about doing a podcast about the spiritual stages because it's kind of like this idea that we, some in terms of evolution, and sometimes people pop in at a different place on this, but it usually starts kind of with like the lawless, like, okay, I need something religious because if I don't, I might, cheat you know, my wife, kill my neighbor or use drugs and alcohol. So I need some kind of a law system, a, a, a spiritual rules system um, and also spiritual community and, and a place to go and all that. So then there's the faithful, right? So now we're like going to church and we're doing the things. And sometimes that's even like AA, which I'm a huge fan of from, you know, where you need to work your 12 steps. You need to... Be in that, but then sometimes, if if there's a place where it's been controlling and fundamentalist and limiting the soul, then we go into a place of. And every personality is different. I think people are really different in terms of what's good for one person might be horrible for another person, and vice versa. So there's really not a lot of dogma or rules. You know, I think it's such a unique path situation. But for some people, then if they were raised in a confining religious system where maybe they're gay and maybe their religion doesn't have room for that, right? Then you go into the rationalist place where you're an atheist or maybe agnostic of like, well, I reject that. Now the highest spiritual calling is for me to reject the limitations In I'm in rebellion in some way. I'm in reactivity to that experience. And that goes on for a while and maybe forever for that person's lifetime. Forever in that lifetime. Um, And then it goes to the mystic, which is where kind of meet your soul just jumps right into. Which, and sometimes we need to go through that process, you know? But I think the mystic is just like if you drop all the dogma and we just directly tap in, plug in. To why are you here? What call is upon your life? When you look at the patterns in your life, what have been the lessons you've been learning? What if we trusted that that's happening for a reason? What if we can get into contact with that through our brain states? Then it's just not even debatable, right? It's like nobody can talk me out of Sophia because I've, liter- I've had experiences with her that the way they couldn't talk me out of loving my child, you know? It's not something I believe from a book or have been told. It's a felt truth and an embodied experience. So I think what we need is that the world needs more people. We would have so much less like (laughs) challenges, wars, disagreements, if people would just promote for each other the true and honest exploration of who they came here and and meant to be. And again, I think it gets tricky because Mm -hmm. it can be like, well, the world's a scary place. Maybe you're not ready to trust yourself. Maybe if you trust yourself, you're going to go do something dumb, bad, or wrong. And that's why religion kind of yeah. has profited for so many years because we haven't done a good job as humanity in terms of being ruthlessly honest with where our shadow projections and power tripping places are in ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can have the humility to start that path, Then everything would change. I had a dream, a dream, an astral experience when I was writing Meet Your Soul. Where usually I don't talk about this in beginner interviews because (laughs) again we're going right into
0: it. I love it. We're We're just going here for it.
2: (laughs) We're just going to call this a one off. Anybody who needs a one on one, just abandon ship (laughs) right now. So it was I was writing Meet Your Soul, and I was really in it energetically and feeling what the book was calling me to do. Every prayer, every day was like a prayer of like, okay, what do you want me to bring through for people? Because I wanted the book to be a transmission, so that at the end of it, people are meeting their souls. We're not talking about it anymore, but where they're like trying out the soul journaling, which is phenomenal. And I love, I want you guys to talk about a little bit more of your experiences too, because I love hearing about it. But so the experience was, I was like, it was, I had left a dream. It started in sleep, but then it was like an astral travel experience where I went up above the planet. And I remember looking down at the planet. I was like, it's so beautiful. And then I could see this grid around the planet that was like this gold Mm. woven web like a spider web but it was really beautiful and I remember thinking it's so beautiful and then as I came into contact with it there was definitely a feeling of oh no this is like yeah. a dark this is like <laughs> this is like a grit yeah. this is the, what they call the matrix mm-hmm. this is and then this download of a small group of people or entities have the majority of the power which is kind of like duh just mm-hmm. on the planet financially like that's obvious right yeah. but seeing it spiritually yeah right seeing it in terms of accessing our consciousness. Um, And, and frankly, there was a lot of also kind of religious energies on that grid. Right. And what the grid was, was like, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to meet your soul is basically what the grid is. And so, then I woke up and I came to, and I had a huge, like David and Goliath moment where I was like weeping in bed. Like, what's the point? Why do I yes. read this book? We're not going to win in the end. Like there's so much, there's just like no points, mm. David and Goliath and, um, weeping to Adam. And then my soul showed me an image like light, bright when you're a little kid in this game where you take the pegs through the black paper and the light lights through, it was like, God was the light the matrix was the black paper. And then everybody who sold journal, everybody who meets their soul, everybody who starts listening is like the peg.
3: Wow. Mm. And I
2: think that's a good example of the difference between God and soul too, because God is the light. Yes. But then the pegs are all these beautiful, different colors, right? Mm-hmm. There's this like diversity and there's this beauty in the picture that's coming forward, that's created from the pegs. Yep. And the feeling was every time somebody says, I want to know what that is, so it starts with the intention of like, what is that? What is my soul? you start to break through that matrix. And, and it's, so I see every day is like a spiritual test. Like every moment we kind of have love and fear inside and outside of us. That's so kind of like, what's going to win? I mean, is it going to be like, my thighs are fat. I'm worthless. <laughs> then the matrix just won. Or is it going to mm-hmm. be like, what does my soul think about my thighs? Mm-hmm. You know, what does God think about my thighs? Like then things start to change and, the the hard part is remembering to remember because we get so addicted to the insanity of the question and the cycle of that and so so i see it as revolutionary mm-hmm. like this work we're all doing it's it's truly spiritually revolutionary because there are energies that don't want us doing that and i think there's something about that that shows up in the resistance or the i'm crazy or the i'm not allowed to or what if I'm the first fam- person in my family to do that? Because there's also something ancestrally, I think it's inter- like a goose in the front of the line breaking that that code, you yes. know? So yeah, there's a lot to yeah. it. Yeah, I felt
1: that a lot too with um, the revolutionary piece and then also kind of like almost the burden of it. You know, it's like the, the shadow side has felt like a little bit like a burden of it. But to the point of your your vision with the, the matrix and the grid, I, this is something I think about a lot is you know, the law of free will, like the universal law of free will that we have free will choice. But sometimes I wonder if we do, because it's like, if we're living in this sort of like matrix prison that is run by these like small group of otherworldly beings, how much free will do we actually have?
2: I think we have zero yeah. unless you're connecting to your soul. Yeah. Otherwise you're just running on programs and neuroses and and conditions. And that's again, why I'm like, Can everyone please just soul journal for 10 minutes a day? Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be a huge thing. But if you just check in, how am I doing today, soul? And get the orientation. It's shocking sometimes what Mm -hmm. comes through, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, I think everyone's dharma is different. Some people are meant to be more unconscious and sweet and simple. And that can be their highest soul's evolution in one lifetime. And then I think there's people like, I'm meant to be a teacher. Like I'm meant to sit with the burden of consciousness with some of this. And I signed up for that and I love it. I get off on it. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. part of me. Sometimes my husband has less. Sometimes we're like, can we just like (laughs) tacos and buy something?
1: Literally.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also think anything true is eternal in the sense of, sorry, am I like messing everything up right now? Like Jesus Christ as an entity is I love him. He's, yes. you know, so, so the difference between Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene as true entities versus the telephone game of who people said he was, because mm. I think sometimes that happens where they're giving their power to the 82nd person on the telephone line that created some rules about it, right? Mm-hmm. So a mystic having Gnostic experience is somebody who's like, let's find out you know, let's find out directly and personally what is the energy of that, the archetype of that, the true. And, you know, to me, what I believe Jesus did was this and that he just continued. He was a a genius at surrendering his ego over and over Mm -hmm. and over to really receive the avatar of his higher self and incarnate that and then live from that place, which was super revolutionary and not many people liked it at the time. I always think like Jesus was on Instagram and have 12 followers, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> there wasn't a lot of people that were really, because it is sometimes that thing of when I've felt Jesus energetically, that the love is so big. You have a choice of get on board immediately and drop all the stuff or you kind of want to attack it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Because it's, it's, it's confrontative on a love not in a abusive way or anything, but just because the love is so palpable and so obvious, there's nowhere to hide. So then you have to break your negative attachments with whatever bullshit you've been Mm -hmm. telling yourself or acting from. It's almost like you evolve or die, you know? Wow. Yeah, it
0: makes me think of um, in the book when you talk about adjusting to your pain and just being so comfortable with, whether it is literal abuse or settling or just circumstances that are not for you or not what your soul desires. How can people see that? Like really see? It's
2: tough because a lot of times it does come in like carbon monoxide poisoning where it's like feels really comfortable and warm and (laughs) slow and you get fuzzy headed and it's harder to motivate when you're in that kind of a place. But That's again, why I think just if you have a regular practice of like soul journaling, then it will come through whether you want to know it or not. And it usually comes with baby steps, right? Like I love how soul is so powerful, so loving, but also so strategic in terms of like, we're not going to overwhelm your ego. Mm -hmm. We're going to give you just what you need for the next panic attack or just what you need (laughs) to ride out the next hour, the next six hours, the next day when I go back and look at old soul journaling, I just can never believe how genius it is. And like, I could really see it from breakups, you know? Like mm. where at the time you're so into that person, you think this is it. And then there's these little signs you ignore. And then later, yeah, just looking back at my soul calling stuff out that I was at the time like, yeah, no, no, yeah. Like maybe I, maybe that was my <laughs> ego
0: talking, you know? For, for people who want a soul journal, um, I know you talk about it in the book, but just if they want to start today, can you... Can you just talk about how they can start that?
2: Yeah, definitely. One resource that I have on my website, elisaromeo.com, E-L-I-S-A-R-O-M-E-O, just like it sounds, is you go to meditations and there's a bunch of free meditations and one of them's like just meeting your soul. And- there's a couple of centerings good too, which practices going into the pineal gland, working on raising the beta state. The grounding cords ones are great. So first it's good to energetically kind of like come back to yourself before you start. Also, sometimes it helps to go on a jog or take a bath or just bring down the cortisol so that it's more accessible. Dancing is, is a good one. And then you postulate and you just, I really push the writing because you document it. And I think it ups the container. It makes the voice come through stronger than if you're just doing it in your head. Also, it helps with that disbelief later when you're like, "That she couldn't have said that. And then you have it like, no, she did. Um, But I feel like it's putting weights on the bar. It just makes it stronger, Mm -hmm. the whole process. Sometimes I'll ask Sophia something and I kind of hear it, but as soon as I hold my pen, it's like so much louder or I'll type it too. So basically, yeah, you just... Set the intention you want to hear your soul first. So that's that remote control of like what station. You're not talking to Archangel Michael. You're not talking to your spirit guides because when you die and you have your life review, it's not going to be from the perspective of your spirit guides or Archangel Michael. You're going to go to your higher self and you're going to see your life in a flash and a feeling and you're going to ask yourself how. Well, did I do? To what degree? All your true happiness and success comes from how much you aligned with that energy. And I'm a Capricorn, so basically, I'm just super practical with the weirdest stuff. I'm also a triple Sagittarius, so I'm like, how can I get really practical about
3: psychic? I love
2: that. So it's just like, it's just efficient because then you just really ask whatever questions up, like, and some good beginning questions is like, how do I feel you? How do I know when you're here? Sometimes people just be like, I feel peace, expanded joy. I have a sense of being in my body. I'm not giving my power away in relationships or to my boss. And then it's like, what are, you can ask really specific things. like, What are three things I can do today to stay connected to you? Maybe that's like, if you're at work and it's busy, or these days on Zoom, taking a stretching break and whatever. Even you can ask about food. like, What do you want me to eat today? What's in alignment with you in terms of, getting your mission accomplished in terms of love and healing through my body. And I think the chapter I have in Meet Your Soul about what's my purpose, I think about a lot because a lot of times people call me and they're like, what's my purpose? You know, what Mm -hmm. am I doing here? And we all do have these big things we're working on in each lifetime that Soul really likes to clarify and point out. But really what we're all doing here is becoming love. Like that Mm. is the number one assignment. And so it doesn't have to look like some big achievement in the physical world. Sometimes it does because that's an extension of being loved. But I talked to so many famous, well-known people that have achieved the thing that they thought was a purpose and they still have a feeling of being lost because they're not doing that important part of the soul, the inner work of like, right? Because it's not Mm. about showing something or proving something or accomplishing something. It's about being with her through the experience and how that changes you. There was a part in me, your soul at the end where I was writing it, where I was getting really like, I'm going to help people and change people. And it's going to be this thing. And Sophia came really loud. Like, you think I give a shit? Like how you're seen on this? Like I'm using this to incarnate your higher self into you. This is a Mm. carrot. The book is a Mm. carrot for a process that's happening. And I want this process to happen for everyone. And don't you ever get too focused on the material symbol at the end of it, because that's missing the entire point of the book. And I think about that a lot. And I try to remember, and and I'm a dumb human. So some days I kind of forget. And then I sold journal and she reminds me, (laughs) you know?
1: (laughs) Love that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're just spiritually malnourished. I feel like, you know, the people are just craving it. Um, There was one part that I really loved that I actually has been an additional part that's been super helpful for me, which is not your desire to not have resistance to judgment and the relationship with judgment. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think just like the first part with um, wanting the attachment being bad, we're told that judgment is also bad.
2: Yeah, and I think that's, again, because the feminine has been minimized and devalued on the planet. So there's this idea that being spiritual is not having opinions and it's like, de- and I, I knew that was a little bit of a controversial chapter title and I chose it on purpose. I wanted to use the term judgment, not because I'm trying to get everybody to be judgmental, but because people say it to me in sessions so often of like, they'll say something like about that is their intuition. Like, I don't know, maybe my husband's cheating on me, but maybe that's just a projection I'm being judgmental. So they, when, the intuitive thing is the thing that they won't let themselves know because they're Mm. interpreting it. Their spiritual persona puts it in the category of judgment. For me, I learned that when I was working on overnight suicide lines and this guy called and I heard his voice like, hello. And I knew immediately, like I was grossed out and scared. And then my little gremlin mind was like, you're being super judgmental. He's calling for help and look at you judging this person right now. (laughs) Right. And, um, so then I'm like, "Oh, I'm a bad person. Let's be spiritual." Yeah. Let's, right? Let's be nice. So then we go into this 30-minute conversation and then at the end he's like, "Tell me more about that. What are you wearing?" right? So it's like this whole long mm-hmm. disgusting, I don't know, predatory experience of, you know, energetic gunk. And I hung up and I was like, "Okay, I get it." Like, so that's what I mean by judgment. It's pretty another word would be discernment, but I use judgment again on purpose cuz that's usually the word people say to me that they've associated with their intuition. And I'm super interested, like, why are we calling our intuition judgment? Mm. So that's what I wanted to look at. Wow. Because sometimes it, and here's the whole projection versus intuition thing. Cause sometimes we are being judgmental. If that's someone's problem, then yeah, work on your judgment. But for most empaths, that's not our problem. For most empaths, we're usually kind of like, it must be me. Mm-hmm. I must be doing something wrong. And that's why we're actually perfect narcissistic supply because we've blinded ourselves to being discerning of what's happening energetically.
0: Wow. <sighs> I wanted to pivot a little bit as we round out, but I did want to talk about you and your hubby. And just- I thought
2: about pulling him on. I know, For some I reason, I was like- so about- funny I, before I was
0: like, I wonder if they're both going to come
1: <sighs> on.
2: That's
0: so funny. I was literally thinking about- We're
1: that. All on the go same page. page.
2: Because He'll what be, like, we're doing now, <laughs> what we're doing now is really- everything is changing because of our work together. So I feel like our new, we've written this new book and it's just sitting there. And because of COVID, it's had a very long labor process where I'm like, oh my God, because we've pretty much been done with it for three months, but the material is other level. I'm so excited about it. I've never seen it anywhere, but it's taking meet your soul and really putting it super practical in relationships multidimensionally. And then just like, with basic marriage and counseling skills of like you know reflective listening and all that so i'm super excited about it. yeah but what was your question what were you thinking about
0: <laughs> yeah i was thinking about just a lot of of women in our community wanting to find love and wanting to find their their partner and they hear this idea of soulmate they hear this idea of twin twin flame and i was listening to you both speak on this on on danica patrick's podcast but i would love to just hear
2: I have it, to grab them. Yeah, please. I, uh, let's hey, yeah, do second. it. It just is what needs to happen. It's just facts. <laughs> I can't wait.
0: Two for the price of one.
2: Oh, well, thanks
1: That's for joining hilarious. us. We've had such a good conversation so oh, far. Yeah. And oh, we yeah. literally just started talking about your relationship and the new book that you guys wrote. So I'm really excited to hear about what you guys have birthed. And and I guess my first question is, how do you guys both work with both of your souls? Like, do you guys both get in session together or what how does that work
4: yeah we do we do sessions together so we our favorite work to do together is couples work Mm -hmm. so we love working with couples and uh just teaching you know each individual how to connect to their own soul but then how to start reading the soul information from somebody else which is so monumentally helpful Mm -hmm. when because there's so many miscommunications in relationship and projections and so then as soon as you start being like you know it's so easy to get triggered by whatever your partner's saying to you and get defensive or insecure. And then as soon as you like dial into their soul, how does this person really feel about me this moment? Most of the time, it's like actually compassionate. And this is just like an ego clashing happening.
2: Call it like that ego ping ponging where it's like your trauma hurt my feelings, where I have an attachment issue or a trauma. And so I say a thing, maybe I'm trying to seek some kind of reflection or validation and then because it wasn't what my soul would really have me say. Now he's going to have a reaction to that. And maybe he then says his reactive thing, which now is triggers me. It's like, you only have to watch any reality TV show, right? To get like tons of this. So what it,
4: she loves to do. It's do, do, do. Hey, my
2: dirty little secret. <laughs> that I just love yeah. reality TV. Yeah.
0: Are people um, always supposed to feel that soul connection in the beginning? Or is that something that you can build?
4: I think it's it's uh on a case by case basis you know I think we see it all with relationships I think we see people coming together that really don't like each other at first like they have like ego issues with each other and then f- discover over time this really deep soul connection and sometimes there's this immediate soul recognition where it's like there's usually oh, I some just kind of a power person. there's some mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. when we
2: first met it was like what's happening mm-hmm. and then the stories, like the ego stories of like, I mean, I was married, right? (laughs) So there was a lot of situation Mm -hmm. of like the reality of my life. And he was going off to LA to play music and had a contract. And so it took six months to a year to be like, what's, I don't even know how to put it. What is this supposed to be? Yeah. Yeah. And like, what is my programming on this? And what's true energetically? And also me being trained to projection at that point being like, I definitely don't want to, do some kind of midlife crisis projective thing so i was for a long time doubting the love and doubting the soul connection because i was so scared of it being inflation mm-hmm. from a projective way and god and my soul kept just being like wouldn't that be nice wouldn't that be easier if it was that <laughs> wow. this, that's not what's happening this is your spiritual partner this is your person you're meant to do work with and um and we've gotten to a really great place like and my ex-husband was here for Thanksgiving with no his way. wife and Aww. their kids. So it's like the journey we've all taken of just like really listening to love and the kids are super happy and it's been truly, I never would have thought, you know, I think yes. that's a good example of like, when you listen to your soul, it can be like beyond your wildest imagination. Like I yeah. didn't think love like this exists on the planet. I didn't think this was like a possibility of a thing. Um,
4: and both our egos didn't want this to work because yeah, we there were so many real world obstacles that we would have to face if we were to be together. But Elisa had been listening to her soul for so long and telling other people, to listen to her soul. It was like, could she really yeah. not listen to her soul at this point? Uh, and same with me. I you know, had my spiritual awakening when I met Elisa. So I went from mm. being very like, uh, having a literal understanding of life and then being propelled to being, you know, meeting my own soul. Being <laughs> and sometimes
2: and people yeah. get worried. If I listen to my soul, am I going to like leave my husband? And <laughs> I just want to say, I'm a really kind of rare yeah. thing. I'm not, if you listen to your soul, it's not like your life's necessarily going to fall apart. And Sophia did tell me two years before I met him that this was going to happen. And I just ignored it Whoa! Be, because I didn't know how that was going to be. It didn't make sense to me. Right. So, mm. but one thing that's weird that I think about Inter- it really the story I think about, I'll t- you know, what's what I'm thinking about. I don't. <laughs> You're <not>. I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm
0: terrified.
2: Um, I don't want to say the name. On, turn on the uh, telepathy. I know, honestly, <laughs>
0: yeah. Do you yeah. like grab yeah. her
2: knee. <laughs> yeah. uh, the story, I think that kind of conveys really what it's our story, but I think it really helps people understand the multidimensional level of relationships is when we were first together, while well, we were living together for probably three months at this point, Adam was doing the dishes, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say now? And, um, and I was reading this book by a well-known spiritual teacher that talks about like sp- sexual polarity and kind of tantra work, which I won't say the name of. And so I was reading this book and I was down the hall and I still had a lot of projections and not really fully getting what we were. We were in our process of like, we had had these crazy spiritual experiences and like these psychic experiences. We're still integrating, in, But i was still yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know. I was, it was a, just, I mean, what was that? Like eight years ago now? So I was reading it and I was like, had the thought, what would it be like to have sex with this person, this author. Because I'm reading about him having sex with people. And just like, what is that like? And Adam comes quickly walking down the hall and he's like, you're thinking about effing. And then he said the name of the author. Oh my God. In that exact moment. dude. (laughs) And I was like, what? Like, you know, thinking about lying, but realizing like, well, that's not going to work in this relationship. That would have been mm. my old pattern it's of like some kind of <laughs> like. There's no room for a fantasy. Like this is what <laughs> this is what this level is. Like there's no room for just like a thought. Uh huh. Totally. Um, and, and he leaned forward and he said don't you ever think another man is going to meet you in this place, like how I love you and how I see you and how I'm there for you. And if you're running away from me, you're never going to find a safe place. I'm like everywhere. And he like walked away. And I was just like, and it was so, I mean, that definitely changed everything for us from then on because I realized we are joined. Mm -hmm. So it's truly like, and I think sometimes be the difference between a twin flame and a soulmate is that, and I think it's, it's tough. And I think we have, you know, because people come in at different consciousness levels in some ways we like hate talking about twin flames because I hate sometimes that people are missing love or where their soul's guiding them because they're just obsessed with the twin flame idea. And that really bums me out that that's like even a thing. Um, but then on the other hand, there's real people experiencing twin flames that you need to have some guidance because it's so weird. And many people don't, many spiritual well-known teachers are like, twin flame is just a projective idea of you don't love yourself enough. And I probably would have thought that too, before it happened to me. Like I didn't think a lot about twin flames before, but that whole Jerry Maguire, you complete me idea was like my worst literal nightmare. Like I hated this idea. Like I'm not enough. And I think twin flames is like, it's not that you're not enough. It's just that
4: this just what you contracted to do it's, this life. Yeah, and this mm-hmm. love
2: is just what you love the most. And so there w- was a real feeling when we were first together and he was looking at me like, I've sought you like mm-hmm. in every sunset and every starry night. and And I was just like, is this a bad, you know, yes. like poem, like this feeling of like, it's pretty bad. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yes, it was. Is and that, yeah. yeah. And just yeah. a feeling of like every other time I'd had that energy, it had been projective at me yes. in terms of like some kind of a like and This is what I want you to be. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not really seeing your soul. So he was the first person to truly see my soul and then say that like in a roomy Shams mm. type of way. And so, Yeah, we've really had to reassess. Yeah,
4: what how we see relationship because I think we both learned that for us particularly, the more we surrender to each other, the more we learn about ourselves Mm -hmm. and incarnate Mm -hmm. our souls. Mm -hmm. And I don't get that the I don't get that same information for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes it it is about
2: building your independence and your, you know, it just depends where you're at in the journey. So I think. Everybody listening, the answer is when you want a soulmate or a twin flame, it's to soul journal and to ask, What's highest love for me right now? How do I continue kind of on the path of that? What does that look like? It might be being single and celibate for a year. It might mean opening your heart a little and working on one thing we're talking about recently or coming up is attachment issues, because I think that's so key. If you're avoidant or if you're anxious attachment, like that's a you have to work all the ego stuff before you can really get to a clean higher level multidimensional mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah and you and you have
1: to be able to like hold energetically up like a twin flame. You know, cuz it's it's not like an energy space that a lot of people can be at from a frequency level to like receive all of the information. For you Adam like so having your awakening as a man is not an experience that I think all of the masculine has. So what was your sort of experience to meet your soul and meet her and and go from, it sounds like zero to a hundred (laughs) million.
4: Yeah. Uh, Interesting. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, I think that's a good question. I, you know, as a man, I think is an interesting point in there because I really went from having sort of a concept of love Like I kind of, I think I just kind of, I read about spiritual things and I just took the ideas that I liked, you know, that seemed liberal. And I was like, you know, accept everybody and uh, be compassionate to all and all these things to when I really met my soul, my soul felt like this force of A force to be reckoned with, you know, but of love that was very direct and very pointed and very like, I'm not going to hold space for bullshit. You know, it Mm -hmm. was like, I'm going to help. I love you so much. This keeps falling off. Uh, (laughs) I love you so much that I don't want to that I want to help you learn to and go into more of a dynamic relationship that has more human contacts, you know, and just more of emotional contact opposed to just kind of like It's all good, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, He
2: resisted his soul in the beginning because it scared his ego. Like he was like, because he grew up with this idea of like compassionate listening circles and this Mm -hmm. hippie group that, you know, had a lot of that. So he was really good with his feminine, his inner feminine. So when his inner masculine came through in his soul, he was like only associated the masculine kind of was like, more of the darker elements of what the Mm -hmm. masculine has been on the planet. I definitely just had a
4: negative connotation with with anything macho, you know, or that, you know, for lack of better words of this kind of, uh, overpowering, you know, thing I just had, I think I had some trauma around Mm -hmm. what the masculine is. Uh, uh, I just associated it with this kind of toxic thing because that's all I had seen. I had seen a lot of that and I had experienced a lot of that in the locker rooms growing up and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it was really came down. So I was all about, uh, yeah, I was very good with my inner feminine of just kind of being in touch with my own emotions, but kind of an Island by myself, like independent. Uh, and when my masculine came in, he was very involved, (laughs) you know, and direct, and not afraid to speak his mind. Uh, and he did scare me at first. So, that, But he didn't scare
2: me. And I think that mm-hmm. was like a twin flame thing that helped him to accept his soul. Same vice versa. When it was like he was the first person where he was seeking Sophia almost more than I was, mm-hmm. which I had never really had that experience. I was like, this is this thing I do on my side. You might not really understand my soul, but yeah. I'm
4: on my spiritual journey. To the story that you told, I don't think I was upset that you had the... the thought of a fantasy. I don't think I would be upset these days if you had a thought of a fantasy, but it was the fact, maybe, maybe, honestly. (laughs) But but I think what my soul was upset about was that you were seeking some truth in somebody else that I knew was mine to provide. And Um. so I think that's kind of an example of how the masculine came in, was seeking Sophia more than she was able to feel, Sophia, at that moment.
2: So that's how the twin flame can work as like a biofeedback thing where you're like, Oh my God, my relationship depends on me really. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) prioritizing my soul right now. I remember in the beginning having this little like hissy fit one day about, I don't feel special in this relationship because I was used to some kind of like ego specialness that was like Mm. kind of a manipulative power that had just been kind of socially conditioned in me. And it wasn't working with him, my like normal power tricks. Because he was just like, what what are you doing? This isn't you. And like, where's your soul? And he would know every time. And I mean, these are subtle things. This wasn't like some She's also
4: attached. So I think
2: that's <laughs> what she's pointing at. It's yeah, like kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I definitely had a false masculine in me, and the reason it was a false masculine is because it wasn't my soul. It wasn't Sophia's expression. Wow. It was more of a, a an avoidant, like defense, wow. like I'm strong in my ego, kind of a thing. That he was like, can't wait to take these bricks down in this tower. He was just mm. like ready to to dismantle that and um. And it was like terrifying because he's like really psychic, really like high EQ. So it was like, I'd never dealt with in a relationship kind of like such a crazy dismantling process while at the same time, tons of love behind it. I'd been with a narcissist before. So I'd been in a dismantling process, but that was like just coming from power and control. This was like an ayahuasca trip every day of like having crazy soul birthings, love bombs Mm -hmm. going on, feeling like God was literally like, penetrating my heart and opening into this love and Sophia in my ear constantly pressuring down through the day. Like you can trust this is, this isn't what you think it is. It's not manipulative. This is really, he is truly supporting and seeking your soul. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, I mean, I still am adjusting to it, honestly. Like Mm -hmm. it's really a lot. It's like staring at the sun, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like sometimes overwhelming
4: yeah twin flames is a lot. <laughs> yeah
2: and i I often say like i don't know if i would wish a twin flame on my kids like i feel like a nice soulmate is <laughs> really often i mean it because it is like the main thing you're doing for the yes. rest of your life oh,
0: wow, yeah. like, yes this incarnation
2: yeah
1: i
0: loved your adam i loved your blog post about the divine masculine and divine feminine i feel oh, like cool. i feel like it's been Like the words masculine and feminine are talked about so much, at least in the space that we're in. Yeah. But the way in which you described it was so, so beautiful. Can you briefly kind of explain? Yeah.
4: I'm glad you brought that up actually, because I would say this is my, the most common spiritual obstacle I run into as in like what is out there in the spiritual culture right now is that this, there's a lot of projection on what the masculine should look like, what the feminine should look like. Uh, and I think a lot of men that are trying to do masculine work, it suddenly feels like a lot of pressure. Right. It's like now be very spiritually manly, you know? And which makes you feel very unmanly, you know, especially, <laughs> especially if your partner's asking that from you. Like, can you please be more masculine towards me? It's like, I don't know. Oh Do god. I need to like
1: what does that mean? I, Dude, I don't know. Kind of treat. down. Oh my god. Yeah. My fiance, we um, went to this like workshop where they were like, be more masculine. And he was like,
2: Ah, oh, like in it's not him. It was just
4: yeah.
1: so hilarious.
4: Yeah. It's very hard. To ask a man to be more masculine, <laughs> yeah. we know? did put
2: um, we did uh, a face mask last night that was clay and I had extra yeah. and I put it on him, so we definitely had a moment of looking maybe like something yeah. that might be in a you're never are ma- <laughs> masculine. Until you do,
4: do a face mask, <laughs> uh, what was I gonna say about that? Uh, oh, yeah, you know, uh, and I've heard about yeah, men reading it's this is the same author that <laughs> yeah. we were talking about and I know what you're talking really about too. Is, yeah, we all know who we're we talking about. Yes. But we won't say the name. Yeah, I don't
2: uh, think we should say it. Yeah,
4: we won't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so, but a lo- like men reading these books about trying to do self-work on themselves and getting so fed up, literally throwing the book at the wall, like being like this, because it just feels like this pressure. And uh, because, but I think it only feels like a pressure when it comes from an idea of what the masculine should be of how the masculine should, you know, look like and act like. And I think that's when you're basing it off of an archetypal masculine. And I think that that's where we really differ from other spiritual teachers and even Jungians where they'll talk more about the archetypes of these things of embodying the archetype of what this is for everybody. But for me it's all about finding your individual soul expression of the masculine. You know, I think you can be doing your individual soul expression of the masculine doing ballet. You know, I feel like I can see so much masculine movement in dance when somebody's incarnating their soul during that. So it's not about action. It's not even about words. And so that's why this gets really tricky because there's no like rule book. There's no way that there's not like a ten steps to incarnating your masculine guide. It's uh, all about listening to your soul. So it's all about taking the time to really get to know your own intuition and feel like what intuitively feels like you're masculine. But I would say what I can say is what I see com as the common trait of the masculine is that the masculine, I think, finds himself in the doing action of the relationship, that there is a pride in the mission of the relationship of and where I feel the feminine finds herself more in the surrendering into herself uh one way i describe it i think in the blog is i see the feminine as like the ultimate beauty in the universe and the masculine is almost the witness of the feminine so one way i describe it is like it's like there's this incredible flower and the masculine is looking at the flower and you know that feeling when somebody's looking at you across the room and you can feel like you're being watched and so from that action the flower knows who she is more, like knows her mm. presence more. And so when I'm witnessing Elisa's soul, she knows who she is more. And she feels like I'm helping her find herself. And then simultaneously, the masculine through witnessing the beauty of a soul, it's like, oh my God, this is actually a soul here on the planet. Uh, so, so that means spirituality is real that means god is real that means every you know all these cosmic truths are real is finding his purpose in that so uh i've i've definitely seen that as a and what core the witnessing is, is love,
2: energy. It's yeah. love, right? So it's not just, I see you. Um, and, <laughs> it's not people you know, d- witness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or egoic. I mean, I feel like what's so hard about these conversations is, depending on, again, your consciousness level, it yeah. could sound yes. like, I'm nothing unless a man looks at me, which is like not <laughs> yes. what we're saying. Um, and it's a <laughs> So we're all delicate flowers that get yeah, stared at by men. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really, we're talking about energetic principles. And again, Again, this does yes. not have to do with gender identity or sexual orientation. And our homosexual couples, we see it's a yin yang, energetic yes. polarity thing that happens. Just to, to yes. clarify, that. beautiful. But, yeah. yes. mm-hmm. I love
1: that that piece though. That was I wrote down a lot of what you said. I wanna, just as a last question from me, there's a lot of women in our community, I think this is one of the questions I get the most, which is how do we bring our, if you're in a um, same sex relationship or if you're in um, a different sex relationship, the more masculine person that isn't as interested in spirituality, how do you bring them on the journey and how can you sort of help them awaken without forcing it on them?
2: Yeah. that's that's a great question uh they are polarities, so one good good and bad news is for the person who's running maybe the false masculine again whether that's male or female but it's to stop that's me (laughs) doing that through working with your soul because because it's a polarity only one one of the two i see it a lot like god right like before the big bang everything is love so there's nothing witnessing god because everything is god then you have split into now we have material reality and separation the negativity of the separation is it's separated the positive is it can see god because if you're all one thing you don't see itself you just are that you are just bliss dancing around so The beauty of the yin yang and the duality, the beauty, I think that's what twin flames are literally an incarnation of, of the beauty of the magnetism between the masculine and the feminine and the light and the dark and, and all of that. So like the love that's trying to rejoin the, that magnetic pull It's real. It's a real energy. So if I'm in the false masculine, he's in his false feminine. He cannot be in the masculine. So even if we're not talking about it, there's definitely things you can do Mm -hmm. to come into your true feminine nature, become more your soul, soften, work on your avoidant attachment issues and start to, that shifts it. And actually that's really what's fun about our new material is so much of it is like, it doesn't matter if the other person's on board or not because so much of it's energetic. Yeah. And, and so there's mm. so much you can work on and do and change. And it's like, it's that whole, you don't want to be codependent of like, I'm changing cause I want you to be different. Cause that never goes well, but a true desire and seeking your, your natural state, your natural sexual state, your natural attraction that does shift like the other person unconsciously. Cause a lot of times, frankly, we have the female who's done lots of work. Who's dragging her heterosexual male husband to a session. Who's like, what the hell's a soul? And why do I care? And and sometimes (laughs) I'll just put it like, like, if you understand this, you will get more sex. (laughs) Well, At the basis level, level, your wife will be way less annoyed with you.
4: Um, well, I, I just to clarify your question too, I think uh, I wasn't sure if you're asking, like when you're doing your own spiritual self-work and you're with a partner and they're not doing that work, how do you get them to do that yes. more? And I think you were talking about that. But I think that is the theme of our next book. It's uh, because that's all about, we always encourage people first to connect with their own souls. And so what the new material we're breaking out here is called we're calling it the uh, four spiritual relationships. So we call the first spiritual relationship, your own relationship with your own soul. So that's your ego to your soul. And then uh, you also have your ego to ego relationship with your partner. So that's, that's a relationship Mm. too. Uh, So that's just you guys talking about what movies you like and hobbies and you know, your, whatever your ego programming conflicts are and all that. Uh, But then you have a relationship to their soul too. And so, you have your soul-to-soul relationship, which is just the soul contracts between you guys. So a couple can have a soul relationship and not be consciously aware of it their entire lives. They just might be a couple, they they got married, they have no understanding of spirituality, but they have a very sweet soul bond that's just there all their lives. Uh, But then when you start doing the consciousness work of making this conscious and making conscious decisions of how to activate your partner's soul, then you have your ego to their soul relationship. So you can start with first journaling with your own soul, but then you can start asking their soul questions. So often I will dial into Sophia. So if Elisa's it's like scary in, level in something, if <laughs> I
2: she's I tell Justin like,
1: soul what to do, I'm like, can we? Just- <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: not a bad not idea. No, you can no, tell the soul No, what but to I do. think you can have <laughs> astral conversations. I think that's true. I mean, sometimes when I'm like tired yeah. and lazy. I'll be like, come in the bedroom, come in the bedroom. You know, like that kind of <laughs> thing.
4: But so you can <laughs> to use that though, to help your partner, to meet their own soul, you can talk to their soul. Like if Elisa has anxiety one day and she has so much anxiety, she can't really hear her own soul. Uh, and she's in some story. She's like, I'm so anxious the kids aren't going to get into this preschool or something like that. You know, it has like some story that's keeping her disconnected from herself. Sometimes it doesn't always work when I'm just like, what does your soul say? You should just do this work. Like just do it. And so I think often we have that impulse with our partners, right? We're like, can't you just kind of connect to your truth right now instead of being in this egoic story. Uh, But what I can do is actually talk to her soul and get that psychic information and the question would be something more like what does elisa need right now to know what to connect to herself and the answer may be something i totally don't expect like the answer might be like you need to go give her space this morning and actually go get her uh mexican food from the (laughs) restaurant you know like something Thing yeah, very practical, happen. very... That happens quite a lot.
2: very affected. My mood is very affected by... Like good food. A stream of burritos. Oh, God.
4: <laughs> These headphones keep falling out. It's I feel okay. like it's our twin flame metaphor. Is like sharing... You can't
3: like, Yeah. Totally. Uh, uh,
4: so so our, our whole next book is how to effectively talk to your partner's soul and to help them. So if, if your partner has attachment trauma or a projection on you or any sorts of things that are blocking you guys from true intimacy, using your soul information and their soul information to help guide them to that.
1: Love that. We should schedule that now. I want to do (laughs) that. That full interview, we'll have four AirPods. (laughs) (laughs) So two guys, four AirPods, two twin flames, four AirPods. I'm so excited (laughs) about that, guys. That sounds incredible. And oh my gosh, this has been such a pleasure. I'm so grateful for your time. And I can't wait for the next one. So when's the book
2: out? we have no idea yeah, so of prayers up everybody we got prayers <laughs> yeah. up
0: but you so you have your you have your podcast Mm-hmm. holy and human. And then you have you offer sessions for individuals and couples. And can you talk about your courses, just any offerings for our audience? Because I know they're going to be run into your yeah. website.
4: So we're transferring everything right now to theholyheart.com. Cool. Uh, that's where our relationship work is going to be up. And we're going to try to do a mystery school if we can ever get to we're it because really we are, it's are been doing childcare and game. COVID. We're going to talk about but,
2: false light and uh, dreams. So it's just going to be, stuff,
4: you know, our, our everything. goal is all the things we talk about on sessions is to be, make that accessible so that people can come and just really be getting all that, you know, what it, empath survival tools, um, just all sorts of things like that. Uh, so that will be going up there and, uh, We're working we'll, on announce, it now, so. we'll announce the new book up there. And then, uh, our podcast, Holy and Human is, uh, also going on.
0: Beautiful. Amazing. It's so weird. Yeah. I was thinking this morning in the bathroom. I'm like, oh, shoot. We should have like We should have asked both Lisa and it, Adam. Yeah, we it. both <laughs> were thinking <laughs> that. You yeah. probably were it's feeling so us. I was like, I, was I think we're really it.
2: going into this new, like it literally just feels like the energy of the chapter is different Yeah. And, and this work is always, meet your soul is always the basis of all, all yes. of it. But I think where the pulse is really and like where we're being called is like,
0: yeah, I and love a relationship. It. I yeah, yeah. love it. Can't wait to, yeah, talk to so you. Yeah, thanks so much again.
2: for having yeah, us spontaneously fun. on. Thanks here. This, this is so and having fun. Thanks for really being a good
0: sport.
1: <laughs> <with them>. Yeah, <laughs> we love you guys. We appreciate you. And um, we'll be in touch with this is out. And then yeah, we'd love to schedule for both of you at some mm-hmm. point soon. This was like just the tip of the iceberg. And I know so much of our community is interested in both of your work. So we could go go in deep. Yeah.
4: So yeah thank that'd you guys. Be so awesome. a pleasure talking to you guys. Thanks Have a guys. So end of
0: the year and beginning of the
2: next, and we'll definitely be in touch. Thank you. Okay. Talk to you later. 2021. <laughs> We're ready. It's are right. year. <laughs> We're done 2020. You. Bye
0: guys. All right.
2: All right. Take care. Bye.
0: Thank you so much, Elisa. What a good one. So
2: that was powerful. amazing.
0: Share it with a friend who you know
1: has met their soul, wants to meet their soul, or just wants to get more spiritually connected, that's how you know you can support your friends. Yeah. And we'll see you at Camp Almost 30. It's going to be amazing. On January 16th, it's a free digital event and our speakers are incredible. They're world-class and they don't do this a lot. So we are super grateful for them for sharing their gifts with you
0: at our digital day camp, which is a one in a lifetime experience. Yeah, you can find out more and reserve your spot at almost30.com. And thank you so much to all of our sponsors for this episode. As always, we only want to bring you brands and products that we love and use ourselves and have vetted. So thank you today to Thrive Market, Nutribullet, FitTrack, and Oat of the Ordinary. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, now. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.